Hey guys, this is our first actual Wednesday night that isn't block party. Woo, that's right. Amen, brother. So, uh, I'm Hannah West. I am one of the associate campus ministers here. Uh, and I am thrilled to have the opportunity to speak to you guys about what it's like to love like Jesus. Love like Jesus. That's what we need right now, right? Um, so we're going to read through Luke 8, 40 through 56. Don't worry, I'll repeat that. If you're a note taker like me, you're like, please don't have um, We'll learn days that we can adjust our lives to be more like him. Uh, last week, Adam introduced the first series uh, that we're going to be doing this semester. Again, love like Jesus. I can't say it enough. So throughout the semester, we'll go through in different topics and dissect what that means a little bit. So for tonight's teaching, it'll be specifically about being available, being available. And we'll see how we can be available to different types of people and how to be available with our time. So go ahead and get your Bibles out or your app or laptop or whatever it is. It'll also be here on the screen. There it is, told you. <laughs> but, um, so let's go ahead and go through that. Um, but first, I'll be honest, whenever I was preparing this, I felt <laughs> conflicted because this isn't for you guys. I mean, it, this is for you guys, but this isn't like, hey, I know everything and I'm teaching you guys. I had to teach myself this as well, and staff is right along with you guys. Um, we're all learning this together, um, and it's a very humbling experience to be able to come and bring this to you guys. Um, so, a little bit more about me um, I'm the type of person who needs a schedule. Um, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a type A person, but I like a schedule. I am an early riser. I go to bed early, but I'm, I'm doing good right now, you guys. I'm, I'm a little shocked, but I'm, I'm into this and I'm excited. <laughs> um, but yeah, I felt conflicted. Um, I like details. I can be flexible and I can change things last minute, um, but it's not my go-to. If you're like that, good job please teach me your ways because I need help with that. Um, I am also a person who tries not to bring work home so that I can keep that time sacred for my family. Sometimes things get mixed, you know, it just happens. Um, speaking of my family, I have a husband, Ben West. Uh, he is at home with our son who's nine months old and his name is Salem. And they are like the best thing in the world, in my opinion. And if you saw my baby, I think you would think the same thing because he is adorable. Anyways, enough about me. Um, so, uh, let's go ahead and read this chunk of scripture together. So, Luke 8, 40 through 56. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? <laughs> Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had instantly been healed. 
And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You guys can't see it, but I'm smiling really big now. I'm like, yes, amen, sister. And while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, <laughs> knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. <laughs> so that's a lot of info. So we're going to go over that again. Uh, just a few background things. Um, this is Bible study, right? This is what we're doing here. All right, so let's go over that again. Jesus is on his way to heal a dying girl, but not just any dying girl, the only daughter of a synagogue leader, and she's about 12 years old. So in this culture, she was about to be the age of marrying, um, and she was an only child. So tons of potential. Like, she is, like, a big deal. She's probably very well known. She's a synagogue leader's daughter. So not only is this about her, but the rest of her family's legacy is kind of riding on her, and she's dying. And so Jesus is around. There's tons of people around, and they're pushing in on him, pressing in on him. And then something changes. He feels something. He feels someone has benefited from his power. Jesus asked who touched him, but no one fesses up. Peter is probably confused, because imagine just, like, the opposite of what we're doing. Like, people totally crowded, <laughs> pressing up against him. And Peter's like, probably like, duh, someone touched you. Like, look at all these people. But Jesus is specific about, no, something changed. Something's different. Power has gone out from me. So, Jesus doesn't simply move on. Instead, he wants this person to come forward, to be bold and admit who they were. Everyone is eager to hear what Jesus has to say. They're eager to meet him. He's been doing miracles left and right. They know who this guy is. But he doesn't just move on. He, he calls this woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. And there's some manuscripts that say that she spent all her money on doctors and she still wasn't healed. So this woman humbly yet boldly just touches his robe, his cloak. And so she's seen as unclean because she's been bleeding. So this means that she hasn't been able to partake in any of the Jewish traditions because she's unclean. That's a big deal. And so, in other words, she is an outcast. She boldly comes forward and gives her testimony of what happened. She said, I touched your cloak and was instantly healed. Then he invites this woman to openly say who she is. Jesus could have kept it a secret because she's sneaking around she clearly doesn't want to be seen. Peter doesn't know who, who she was because he's like, well, look at all these people. Jesus could be anybody. And so Jesus could have kept this a secret. Instead, he empowers her to come forward and say who she is. He replies to her, your faith has been healed. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Meanwhile, don't forget that there's a dying girl, pretty important dying girl, uh, who is 
dying, like that's a big deal. <laughs> so again, not a girl, the only child of a synagogue leader. So Jesus finally makes it to the girl's house and we find out that the young girl has died. And so could you imagine like the frustration for Jairus? Like, seriously, like I scheduled it, like I penciled in an appointment with you, Jesus. Like I came to you and asked you if you could come heal my daughter, who we know is a little bit important, and you're just gonna stop and heal this other woman? Okay, well now my daughter's dead. Okay, cool, great. That's not in scripture, but I can only imagine with my human brain. <laughs> and so Jesus tells Jairus, if you have faith and believe, your daughter will be healed. And so he, also, he obviously had this faith before, right? Because he had asked Jesus in the first place. Um, I think that is an amazing testament of how we can bounce back, you know, and so Jairus agrees because uh, we, we know that he came into the house and ended up healing her. Um, so yeah, Jesus and a few disciples came into the house, was laughed at <laughs> because he's like, she's not dead, she's asleep. And so just imagine, like I laughed whenever I read that because I'm like, did you seriously just laugh at Jesus? <laughs> like. Jesus, are we sure you want to do that? But I would do the same thing, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm a little tough on them, but what would I have done, you know? And so her spirit returned at once, and she stood up. She was healed. So something else that I would like to mention as far as timeline goes, um, right before this passage, so this passage starts off with now when, which is usually an indicator of something just happened. Whenever it says now when or therefore, you always wanna look before the, whatever passage you're reading. So right before this, Jesus had healed a man who was demon possessed. He cast out the demons and he's a pretty popular guy. So that's why people were, were crushing, pressing in around him. So this is just like, all right, heals this demon possessed man. Jairus is like, please come heal my daughter. As he's going, he heals this woman who's an outcast. So pretty busy guy. <laughs> um, so I'm thrilled that we're starting the semester with this topic in particular, because just about now, um, it's been a while since I've been a full-time student, but around week two, I was like, okay, I can do this. This is doable. This is fine. Let's get this going. All right, got my schedule ready. I have it written down. I have a dry erase calendar. I have my cute planner that I used for three weeks and then threw away and I forgot where it was. So we're going to have use this as a fresh start. Things are already different. Elephant in the room. Things are different this semester. So let's make it count. Let's make it count. So whenever I read this, I see two big ideas regarding being available. So again, loving like Jesus and being available. One is being available with our schedules and our time. The other is being available to all sorts of different people. We see here in these verses that busyness, it just isn't a good enough excuse to get in the way of loving others. Let's look at verse 41 again. In the presence of all the people, she said she had touched him and that she had instantly been healed. So imagine if Jesus is like, excuse me, I feel like I just felt some power leave me. And he sees this woman. He's like, okay, who are you? Come on, say your name. And she's like, hey, it's me, Jesus. Like, 
I'm sorry. Imagine if you're like, well, I was really busy. I had to get going to this dying girl, but all right, sure, this is fine. Like imagine, like obviously Jesus isn't going to be that. He isn't going to be that way, and neither would she, neither should we. So you see, the world is looking at this woman, and they say you are unclean, unwelcome, unworthy, messy, time-consuming. Basically, that she's a lost cause. And this is what Jesus says instead. He acknowledges her, and he calls her daughter. And he says that you are known, and you are loved, and you are clean, and you are healed. Daughter, you are worthwhile. Daughter, son, you are worthwhile. You are all worthwhile. So we all have our different social roles, and uh, we naturally gravitate to certain people. Um, it's just... It's just our nature, you know, we have different likes, dislikes, we all have different backgrounds, we have different things that make us laugh, things that make us, you know, uncomfortable, um, that's just how it is. Um, we all need a support system, um, but we must also need to be aware that we are empowered to reach out to have those relationships that just don't come as naturally. And so what I'm saying here is do not limit yourself. You are capable of so much more than, that, than what you may realize. I understand that things are hectic and weird right now, um, but your schedule and your social roles, they do not define you. That is not who you are. Um, and some of you guys, whenever I said being available, you're probably like, oh, I really don't wanna talk about busyness. That's not, that's not the point of this. The point is who your identity is versus what the world is telling you. Um, and just like the song said, like, like find rest. Like, I'm home whenever I'm with you, Jesus. And if you are in me, then I can be just like you, and I can love like you. And that's what we're going to do, guys. That's what we're going to do, because what, what other option do we have? What else would we want to do? And so I, don't, I really don't want to spend too much time on business, because I feel like you guys are really hammered with that time and time again. Um, but just, just a, I don't know. I found this encouraging because I talked to my mom, who is obviously much older than I am, and I was like, "Mom, do you ever like slow down? Like, like how? Like, what is like what is your schedule like?" She goes, "Hannah, it doesn't change. It's just different." And so, for me, <laughs> instead of studying for an exam or two or three, I'm doing my baby's laundry, <laughs> or I'm you know, grabbing him and making sure he doesn't stick his finger in a light socket or something. Like, he's, he's a lot of work. <laughs> so, but you guys are going through a lot of work, too. And that's the thing. Like, I feel like the world tells you that if you're not busy, then you're lazy. And that is so not true. That is just not, it's just not true. It's like, if you're not busy, then you must fill your time. That's not true. It isn't true. And we'll get back, we'll, we'll revisit that a little bit later. We must pursue others the way God pursues us. And those songs were excellent. They were a great reminder of, like I just, just time and time again, identity is always the thing that is constantly circling in my head whenever I'm like, man, I could have done this better. You know, it's okay. That's not my identity. That's not my identity. It's all right. So I'm going to describe a few situations to you, um, and some of these, uh, raise your hand if it is familiar, 
these are from my own personal story and whenever I was a student, so just, just imagine this. All right, so imagine that uh, you try to go to your professor's office hours because you got uh, like your homework grade or your, your exam grade. It didn't quite make sense to you. Probably a little bit lower than what you're expecting. Mine was actually the opposite. I was like, there's no way I got this good of a grade. I wanna go to my teacher's office and figure out what's going on. So teachers have office hours, right? I try to go and the door's locked. And I wait and I wait and I wait and he never shows up. So I'm like, okay, great. There's like an hour of my life wasted. Or do you remember, like, have you guys ever tried to shift, switch shifts at work and you message the group message and you see the little icons of like, oh, this person has seen this message, no reply. So has this person, no reply. And this person, and this person, and this person. And all these people have seen my message because I really need to switch shifts at work and no one's replying. Or do you remember being little and wanting your parents to play with you, but they were in the middle of cooking dinner or they were doing something else? It's just not the best feeling, is it? Um, but thank God that he is always available and at any given moment, we can reach out to him and he's gonna be there time and time again, without a doubt, no question about it, consistently, 100%, all of the time. Jesus is there for us. So um, this is kind of, I'm probably gonna say this a lot this semester because it's one of my favorite things and it just makes sense to me, um, of meeting people where they're at. Um, so what I mean by this is whenever you meet someone new or someone that you've seen around and you're just not sure um, what they're like, you meet them where they're at. You figure out what they need and then you be that for them. So an example is Salem, my son, is nine months old. Now he is able to pull up on things, you know, he's getting stronger. Um, <laughs> he climbs up on the edge of his crib and then takes his pacifier out and throws it at like 1 a.m. Okay, so I could just be like, all right, well, sorry, baby, too bad. Tough luck, like, you know, that's life. Or I can crawl out of bed, probably trip a few times, grab his pacifier and give it to him, and he's fine. He's comforted. He, he, he sees me and he's like, oh, thank goodness, that was like so hard. He's a baby and everything is confusing to him. <laughs> or whenever he is sitting down and he's saying mama, because that is a very popular word right now because it's the only thing you can do. So he's just saying mama, 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 and he's starting to associate that with me and he knows who I am. And it feels really good, but sometimes I'm like, say dad, <laughs> please just say dad just once. But instead, I go over to him and I see him and his arms are just like this, which means he wants to be picked up. And he's crying and he's upset and I pick him up and he's fine. And he usually headbutts me and I like it. <laughs> so that's, that's what we're going through right now. Whenever he was a newborn, he just needed to be held. That's all he needed. He just needed to be held so I would hold him or my husband would hold him. That's just what we would do because we knew that's what he needed. Now, unfortunately, um, I'm human. <laughs> and so whenever I'm at work uh, and my baby's with me, uh, you guys can come by anytime and see him. Again, he's super cute. 
Um, and you guys will probably walk in the double doors and you'll probably hear him crying <laughs> because I've got to get stuff done. Like, I'm just too busy. I'm sorry, Salem. Like, I can't, I can't do this right now. You know, hang on just a second. Just, just five more minutes. Thank God that he doesn't, like, God doesn't do that. Anytime. God doesn't just let me cry. He doesn't say, hang on just a second. I'm busy. And we see that Jesus didn't either. All right, so as I said, there are two big things here, um, time and how we view others. So um, let's look at some verses regarding time. Um, I'm not going to read all of them like super thoroughly, so just go ahead and write these down. Um, they'll be up here, I think, probably. Um, so time. Our lives are like a vapor in the wind, here today and gone tomorrow. That's James 4, 14. James 4:14. 4, Man is like a mere breath. His days are like a passing shadow. That's Psalm 144, verse 4. Conduct yourselves in fear during your time here on earth. 1 Peter 1:17. And this was no longer one of Ephesians 1:15-23, um, and that tells us that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is actually in us. If you're a follower of Jesus that is in you and that i hope that amazes you because whenever you think about it like seriously god like me you really mean it like how amazing is that like the same power that raised christ from the dead lives in me and if i have jesus in my heart what am i doing with it what am i doing what am i doing with that so with these bits of scripture in mind we must remember three things regarding time one, we need to make better use of it, which that still makes me want to just like roll my eyes because I tell myself that constantly. Two, we must remember our lives and our time is not our own. And three, your schedule doesn't define you. So to make better use of your time, simply just do life together. Um, a few ideas, um, and if you, if you have ideas or if you have questions, please write them down. Because at the end of this, we're going to have um, a little bit of conversation. And I love that. I love self-reflection. And if you have ideas, please write them down. Get out your phone. Text them to a friend. Anything. I won't, I won't be offended if you're on your phone. It's okay. I trust you. So some ideas of, we, of how we can do life together. Number one is prayer. And this one isn't actually with each other all the time. Um, so an example is... I could go to Locust and skip all the traffic, avoid campus completely, and just go home because I live over by Ohio. Or I can drive down Fifth Street, stop a bajillion times because students are crossing the street, and I can pray for them as I'm in my car. I can just pray for them. It's not, it's just kind of multitasking, but not really. It's just taking a better route. Another thing is food. <laughs> Everyone eats. And it is the best thing. Coffee, food, frozen yogurt. I don't know. Like, literally anything. I hear someone laughing over here, and I like it. Yay, food! <laughs> so just have lunch with someone. Have lunch. It's like one of the best things in the world. One of my go-tos. And uh, there's also, like, <laughs> me and my best friend, she's in Tennessee, but there have been so many times where we will FaceTime each other, 
and we'll just be eating. It's like, hey, sorry, man, like, I've got, I've got to eat right now. And she's like, hey, me too. She, like, brings out a bag of tortilla chips. Uh, so FaceTime dates, that's the thing, too. Um, and the last thing, which you guys have, you guys have heard this, I'm sure. Um, Netflix or phone, just swap that out. Text someone. You're on your phone anyways. Text them and be like, hey, how are you? Commit 30 minutes to catching up with someone that maybe you haven't talked to in a while or you've been wanting to reach out to. Just do it. Like, why wait? Why wait? The second thing that we must remember is that our lives and our time is not our own. So it's the Lord's time to do the Lord's work, and it's time to love like him. So, again, as a mother, I just have to accept and I have to submit to the fact that my time isn't my own anymore. And for a while, and still, um, I struggle with that. Um, I'm very new to this, and your parents can probably relate to this, too. <laughs> my mom still does. She's like, oh, man, you just want to FaceTime all the time, don't you? I'm like, yeah, mama, what's up? Like, hey, can you spare this hour while I just talk at you? But she's there for me. You know, just, just swap out simple, simple things to do. And then lastly, uh, your schedule does not define you. Again, your schedule does not define you. I cannot stress that enough. As I said, people are, people are telling you time and time again, like, oh, what are you doing? And if you say nothing, it's like, really, nothing? How dare you? Oh, my goodness. Like, I don't have any time ever. It's like, all right, like, that's fine. Good for you, I guess. <laughs> but again, whenever people, whenever I ask, like, how are you doing? And someone's like, oh, busy. I'm like, okay, but like, how are you? Like, busy isn't a feeling. It's, it's just, it's a mindset. And so I feel like too many times, and this is kind of the opposite of what tonight's about, which I'm sure we're going to talk about it later this semester. But if we spend all of our time just pouring and pouring and pouring from an empty cup, it's not going to last. You have nothing to pour from. However, if you're just using all of your time to fill your cup and you just sit there with a full cup, like, man, what a waste of love, you know? Like, that sounds super harsh, and I don't even like saying it, but truly, like, we have to get in this rhythm of filling our cup with the purpose of, like, pouring it out on others. You know, you don't, like, you know, this little line of mine, hide it. Like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Like, don't waste your time, you know? And so busy doesn't even have to be a negative thing. Um, I feel like we're just trying to fill it. Um, but you can, you can live in the busyness. Again, it just looks different, and that's fine. And that's fine. And so the last thing is how we view others. Um, so we have some scripture for that, um, how we view others. So what does a shepherd do if one of his 100 sheep wander? He does not leave, does he not leave the 99 to pursue him? It's Matthew 18, 12. Look at the birds of the air. Are you not of more value than they? It's Matthew 6, 26. You've created my innermost being. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's Psalm 39, 13, and 14. And then in Genesis 1, God created mankind in his image, male and female, and it was very good. You guys are very good. Like, God, you, like, you guys are fearfully and wonderfully made, every single one of you. God knit us together in the womb. He knows our innermost being. He knows us and he loves us and he loves us perfectly and he loves us well.
So the three things with this, uh, how we view others, is people are worthy of our energy. Again, like, <laughs> Jesus didn't tell Jairus, like, oh, too bad, sorry your daughter died. Like, no, of course not. Instead, he continued on his journey and he healed him. And he healed his daughter. Like, could you imagine the joy and, like, the love and the appreciation that Jairus felt? Like, how amazing is that? And the same way that Jesus pursues you and me is the way that we have to pursue others. We just, we have to. And it doesn't have to be complicated. And as sons and daughters of God, uh, we are equipped to do the work of the Lord. And that is encouraging to me, you know, whenever I feel like, like this is a new job, right? And there have been times, and whenever you start anything, you know, I'm sure new students here have been like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Yes, you can. You totally can. I'm thrilled that you're doing it. In the same way that, you know, we can love others because Jesus loved us, just you know, I think I can, I think I can, but instead it's like, you know you can. You can do it. And here, let me tell you something. Me, Adam, my Ben, coworker Ben, their wives, we are 100% here for you. We are here for you. And I have total confidence speaking for them. Um, and it's, Adam's nodding his head in the back. So yeah, we, like, we are here for you guys. Um, questions, concerns, just to spend time together, just to, again, do life together. We've got your back, and we're on your side, and we're here for you. And another thing is pure potential. Pure potential. Whenever you view everyone, view them as potential brothers and sisters in Christ, as potential Christ followers, even if they clearly are not. Um, and I have a few uh, stories that I'd like to share with you guys. Um, if you're taking notes, go ahead and just put your pencils down um, and just and just take a listen um, to these. So um, five years ago, there was this girl who um, was at the campus ministry that I was going to, and I was, you know, I was kind of involved in the ministry, kind of not. I was here some Sundays, but I went home a lot. And then this girl, her name was Anna. Her name was Anna Percival, now it's Anna Strome. Um, she's still one of my closest friends. Um, but she said, hey, let's get some dinner together sometime. I was like, okay, cool. And so we went, um, I got the cheapest thing on the menu <laughs> and we just talked. And I didn't, I didn't quite know her, but I went out on a limb and I was like, okay, she seems, she seems normal enough. <laughs> let's, let's go hang out with her. And I also didn't want to say no. And so Anna is talking to me, and she goes, so how do you like Campus House, which is the ministry that I was a part of? And I said, yeah, it's good. You know, people are super nice. And she goes, yeah, I've seen you a few times. Like, you know, uh, how, like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And she just kept asking me questions, and she let me talk, which felt really nice. I'm like, oh, well, she, wants, she wants to hear me. Okay, cool. And then she asked me if I want to help her uh, do a project with her with an outreach uh, like situation for EIU, which is where I went to school. And I was like, okay, sure. Not qualified, don't even know what it is. Okay, sure, I'll do that. And so what we did, uh, we ended up putting post-it notes of little encouragements all over the place. I mean, you couldn't like go by a mirror at EIU and there wasn't an encouragement. And so 
that is the very first time that someone at a campus ministry reached out to me and invested in me and spent time with me and walked me through what to do. And some, there were some good responses from that, but there were also not, not good responses from that activity. But that's okay, because look where I am now. I'm talking to college students, and I love that. I love that because of that one situation, I'm here now. Who knows what would have happened if she hadn't have, you know, loved me well, reached out to me, and made me feel seen. Another story is once I started going to campus house a little bit more, um, I noticed this girl in my psychology of learning class uh, a few rows down from me. And I looked at her and I was like, hey, do you, do you want to sit by me? And she looked at me and she was like, okay. And so she came up. She's also a person that can't say no. She came up and sat by me. And I, was, and I looked at her and I was like, hey, you go to campus house. And she goes, yeah, I've seen you before. I do the name tags, because every time we would do name tags. And so she goes, yeah, people say we look a lot alike. And I was like, I've never heard that. Cool. And so she is now my best friend, and I talk to her often. Uh, she was in my wedding. And again, if I wouldn't have reached out and saw her sitting alone, if I hadn't have said, hey, do you want to come sit by me? She could have said no. And I probably have a different best friend, but I don't. And that's okay, because it's awesome now. And then lastly, um, so I went on a mission trip. It was like really the first um, big thing that I did with this campus ministry. I went on a mission trip and it was uh, in Missouri. We went there, chopped some wood, and I was like, man, I'm super sore. Does anyone have any ibuprofen? And someone said, oh yeah, this guy does. I said, okay, cool. And so I approached him, said, hey, I heard that you have ibuprofen. Like, do you have any? Can I have some? He goes, well, not here. It's actually back at, um, at, back at the cabin. Can I, like, can I give it to you later? And I said, sure, that's okay. Later, he, uh, he follows up with me, and he gives me the ibuprofen, and I still have this little bottle. Um, and that guy ended up asking me to marry him, and I said yes. And so that's been, I had to include that story because I love it. <laughs> so who would have known if, like, he hadn't uh, followed up with me. Like, he wasn't available then, but he followed up later whenever he was available, and he gave me what I needed. So, imagine the impact we could have on campus if we pursued others the way Jesus pursues us. All right, so before we go into this next little bit of uh, group discussion time, um, be asking questions with each other, um, I want you to think of this. Um, in a world of hurry, um, we have to remember to slow down, and being available is that very, that very unique balance. Um, so this is in uh, one of the commentaries that I was reading from whenever I was preparing this lesson. Um, so, in one sense, faith is full speed ahead, while in another, it is waiting on the Lord. Our lives require a vibrant faith applied to the affairs of life, but it also requires a patient waiting on the Lord, for the Father does know best. 